Want to know more about what your favorite ninjas have on their minds? Check out the American Ninja Warrior podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts, and it's a great listen for any Ninja Warrior fan. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. We're recording this on Monday morning early, and we're so sorry that we didn't get this out sooner. And apologies to everyone who was rightfully disappointed in sending us messages that they didn't have their podcast for their commutes this morning. But we're here. We're here uh, for your return commute from work or during work or all those waking up on the West Coast. And joining me, Keon Sobani, to break down a huge win over Sevilla is Matt Wiltsey. Matt, how you doing? Kian doing well and yeah you're you're exactly right it was a huge huge win uh we have a lot a lot to unpack a lot to unpack um basically and we have we have to bring some things forward to tomorrow's episode where we're going to review the loanies uh but just to preface it by saying Martin Odegaard Kubo uh were were really good this weekend Odegaard in particular but we'll also talk about everyone else so that's Tuesday tomorrow for our patrons patreon.com/managingmadrid this episode is all about the Sevilla game. Um, so, Matt, heading into this one, Zidane rolls with the same lineup with one big, huge difference, which on paper is just it's one human being. But um, apparently it makes a huge difference. And there was a stat that was rolling around that the five last um, defeats in the Champions League had one thing in common. They were all without Ramos. Now, I think that tweet can kind of be a bit misleading and that stat can be a bit misleading. Um, there is a lot of factors in 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 problems in those games that some of them aren't related to Ramos. Um, in the win over Ajax in Amsterdam last year, Ramos was playing, and they could have easily lost that if Ajax had even met a slight, uh, kind of even came close to their XG, which they just couldn't finish that game. But overall, Ramos starts this game as the the one big change, obviously, from the PSG loss, where the the team didn't look as organized, and all of a sudden. I wouldn't pin it on Ramos, but I would say the entire team from start to finish, bar a few moments of kind of chaos in the second half, really kept Sevilla out of any dangerous areas. And kind of what what were your thoughts on the defensive shape in this game, Matt? So, well, first off, you're right. Ramos was just incredible. Um, Huge captain performance from him. But I think... I, I just love the fact that Zidane rolled out the same 11. Me too. It was almost kind of like a, an F you to everyone saying, like, look at this. And he not only was it the same 11, but he 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 was rightly criticized after Paris. But after this game, he got all those tactical issues he had wrong, most of them at least, He was, they were fixed. And the biggest thing, and Keon, you and I talk about it all the time, is you can play with James as a midfielder. You can play with all these attacking options. It's just you got to make sure that you're moving as a collective and that you're a unit, you're a compact unit in both phases of the game. So offensively and defensively, and the hardest part of that is transitions. And today or yesterday, we saw 
the team do exactly that and prove that you can play with Hamas, Hazard, Bale, Benzema. You can play with all these guys on the pitch because they condensed the pitch at the right times. They expanded. They were tracking back, um, putting in all those hard defensive yards. I mean, we saw it at the end of the game. Gareth Bale, I mean, 93rd minute making a long-busting um just trying to clear the ball for a corner kick right at the end. Um, and like that's what it's about. That's what we so desperately lacked in Paris. And that's, I mean, in these big away games, that's the type of shift you have to put in. And um, I think we saw that from the guys. They put left everything out there. Um, Hazard had the most ball, had the same amount of ball recoveries as Casemiro. Like that just puts it in perspective. So, and we'll talk about all those individual um, interesting plots and the James and the recoveries and all that stuff. I thought from top to bottom, every player was good in this game. Um, now, the, the lineup from the Paris game, this is why we always say on the podcast, it's all about your scheme and your idea, your identity, your blueprint, rather than the personnel on the pitch. This is kind of why also I dedicated an entire column the day after the PSG game about like, you can go into any game with any lineup. And it, depending on what your game plan is, you can either suffer or not suffer. And obviously, that's a very obvious thing to say. And and the whole point was like, look, you don't just you don't just replace X player with X player, and then it, all those problems just magically disappear. And you know whether it's Isco or Modric or or when James is not in the lineup, whether it's James or Casemiro on another day, all these parts should be interchangeable in theory, and it should work. I mean, look, we saw it. We saw that work. In the 16-17 season, um, in terms of just like how how many times we saw different lineups in that in that season, and it was just consistently results, results, results. Um, now the difference, the intensity thing is such an intangible thing, um, and it was such a once Dan said intensity after that PSG game that Real Madrid lacked it. A lot of people criticized that idea. Um, some of it, I think, rightfully so, because the the word intensity really means nothing it's some of it is just like this um it's kind of this construct sometimes we create in in terms of trying to measure what a team did wrong when sometimes it's not about intensity sometimes it is but like the idea that you just work harder and everything falls into place like there was effort in that game in paris there wasn't any doubt in my mind about that um but i think what you saw in this game you did see some some more intensity you saw, saw some great recoveries as you mentioned but also there was better positioning um, to the point where, like, James, he made some incredible passes in this game. Overall, his distribution, his passing percentage is, wasn't great. Um, and passing percentage, by the way, is one of the most misleading stats in football, I think, generally. It, it only tells you so much, and based on your position, you can have a high passing percentage or a low passing percentage. We dedicated a whole podcast to it with Mike Goodman last season. Um but but James, when when he did give the ball away, he was in a position to recover and track back, and the whole team was so much better from a positional standpoint in this game than they were against Paris, to the point where like every time Sevilla tried to make a dagger pass, either Carvajal or Varane or Casemiro or Ramos or Mendy would just step up and mop it up um, and just kind of thwart the attack. And I think that was the most impressive thing to me defensively was like how well oiled they were and disciplined in that sense like it wasn't perfect like especially when I think Ocampos came on and you know he was able to kind of help Navas try to get behind Mendy in the second half but uh, other than that like they they limited Sevilla to to really nothing 
really noteworthy in terms of chances that should have led to a goal. Yeah, and when you when you move as a collective unit like that, and when you're compact, it makes it so much easier for hey, if Hamas misplaces a pass, he can he then has the ability to quickly turn and press the opposition, and has his back line behind him pushing up as well. And so, I mean, Ken, you know, when you're when you're at actually physically at a game, it's such a different perspective because you can see. Um, kind of a bird's eye view of what the team shape looks like. Sometimes when we're watching on TV, we can't see the overall shape of the team. And when you, I think one thing that probably surprises people when they go to an actual live game is how small they the players make the pitch. Like the actual, they probably play on one third of the pitch. And so, mm. uh, like there should only be really twenty meters between um, the forward line maybe a little bit more than that, but from the forward line to the defensive line. And we saw that, like, we talk about it all the time, keeping those lines tight, keeping your formation tight, and that's what we saw today. And, um, I mean, I know a lot of people try to argue that James, for instance, can't play as that midfielder in a big match. I would argue that there's no bigger match than Sevilla away we haven't kept a clean sheet in 17 years at the Sanchez Pizuan. We haven't won there in five years. It's a huge years. game. It's one yeah, of the it, most difficult games Real Madrid plays every it's year. As, it's as big as they come, and today he proved it. And he proved it as well when he was with Bayern Munich playing against us in the semifinals of the Champions League. So I, I just will never buy that argument. And, and it's like you said, it's all about your structure, all about your uh, the philosophy you go out there with. Um. The the Bayern the Bayern game is an example that you know we bring up often because we saw it firsthand when Hamas played in a deeper role against us. Um, I also think the team's shape, not only like kind of further back, but also they were good at strategically pressing um, anytime Sevilla came out of the back. If they weren't if they weren't kind of hedging obviously in deep, whenever Vachlik had the ball, he had no outlets, and you saw several times Vachlik just gave the ball away. And a lot of Real Madrid's attacks just came from, you know, those good positioning, the, the positioning of the attackers and the rest of the team cohesively behind them into Sevilla copying up position in those areas. Um, James himself, he had some nice pressing sequences too where, like, very similar to that assist he gave to Benzema against Levante. Um, he picked up the ball. He, hound, he hounded a, a ball carrier, one possession, and he had a, a through ball to, I think it was Hazard at that point, but Hazard yeah. just got himself into an acute angle, and then I don't even know if he got a shot on goal, but um, the team's shape overall was quite good. And uh, there's a, I think there was a question about this, and one of the patrons will get to in more detail, but just the idea that we didn't create much, but we, we, we were so organized defensively that it didn't really matter. And I got to tell you, like, We've seen the opposite so much, whereas like we concede a million chances, but we create a million chances. That having a performance like this is kind of just a nice change of pace. It it felt very professional in in the in the kind of just the manner that Real Madrid won this game. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. They get even before the game, you kind of saw the team's faces beforehand, and they had it just looked like it was all it was all business. It looked like they were ready to go, um, but like you said, Kian, there's. Our, our build, like Ham is winning the ball up high there. Um, all of our best opportunities in that game, especially in the first half, just came from 
pressing and winning the ball back high up the pitch. And so even Carvajal's 1v1 that he unfortunately missed, uh, it was that was a killer. But um, he won that high up the pitch, turned, give and go, and was through, through on goal. And that's, I mean, pressing that high up the pitch and working that well collectively allows for you to create kind of great opportunities like that. Yeah, and that, that Carvajal chance, this is the narrative that should be coming away from that. It's not that he missed a great chance, which I, yeah, he should have probably finished it. It was a great chance. Uh, but he's a, he's a wing back who, that his, I guess he's not known for finishing. And it wasn't a terrible shot either. He tried to hit it low on the far post, which is generally, from that angle, is statistically the, the best way to go, I'd say. Um, but like if you look at the entire sequence, he should be, he should be praised for the for starting it in the first place. He it was his step up, then his pass to Hamas, and then instead of just kind of staying back, now some of this is I don't know how much of this is by design because I'm not I'm not sure in that moment if Zidane is telling him okay keep going keep going make that run in behind uh, Sevilla's defense. But whatever it was, it was smart to keep going and then catching Sevilla off guard. And Hamas played that perfect pass to him. Um. But I mentioned Zidane, and I think there is credit to be given here, like big time. Um, I think w- it's no surprise that he stuck with the lineup in the sense that Zidane is not the type of coach who gives any uh, any room to outside noise to get into his head. He does what he always wants to do, and he trusts his own methods. I thought he got everything right in this game. Um, and I think, like again, like from top to bottom, Everyone played well. I, even Hazard, I would say, like statistically, he was quiet. Like he doesn't, he's not going to dominate the box score in this game. But there was a relentless effort to him that, like, you could tell. Like, I think around, I even actually wrote down what minute he got tired because I felt like I could measure it uh, at one point. Sixty uh, third minute, I wrote it down because at, 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 by that time he was just so gassed that. Um, he was having difficulty, although he tried, to just kind of keep up with some of the runs that were were kind of going down Mendy with Ocampos there too. Um, but he he continued to work. And so I think like the biggest sign of that's good for me from Hazard's point of view is um, he was involved in the sense that he never stopped running. He always worked hard defensively. He had a few nice ball-carrying runs in the second half, um, quite overall, but... I think good signs from a player that is clearly not in match shape yet, and uh, hopefully we'll see we'll see an icebreaker soon where he scores. I think, and that that will really help everything else offensively fall into place. But what, what did you think of Hazard's performance? What what I love about Hazard is, and he especially in the second half was able to do this when he can receive the ball with, with a defender on his back, and we're just let's say we're just we just win the ball from our defensive end of the pitch. Yeah. Um, and we pass it into Hazard. He's got a defender on his back. He's able to turn. He's able to then beat that defender and drive us up the pitch and kind of it allows the team to breathe and it allows them to move up the pitch and kind of collect their shape. And it just, that is so invaluable. And it just, it kind of gives this easiness to the team. And um, Sevilla had no way of stopping. They just fouled him. I, I think four times in that second half because they had no way to stop him. And if they didn't foul him, then his second half probably would have looked a lot better just because he would have been driving through on goal. And so um, I think we saw moments of kind of his attacking brilliance, especially in that second half. But just defensively, I was so impressed. And I, I almost just 
not surprised, but just like almost proud that he was he was doing that dirty work and kind of doing whatever it takes to make sure that putting the team above himself. Um, and so that that was huge. And again, it's only his second game, so things are going to get better. He's going to continue to improve, continue to adapt to this team. But um, another thing I wanted to add to your point, um, Kian, about Zidane mm. was he and I, he um, I just lost my train of thought. But he uh, while yes, this was the same collective issues, but I just couldn't believe that after the Paris game, um, everyone like it was everyone was so quick to jump on Zidane and like it's just been relentless criticism from everywhere, from the Spanish media to you name it, to gl- just globally. And we, it's so Ed pointed it out in his article, and I was thinking the same thing. I mean, this guy, he trains with them every single day. He's got the data in front of him. He knows their personalities. He knows his team. He's worked under the greatest tacticians in the game as a player and even as an assistant coach and manager with Mourinho and Chalati. Um, he's had, worked under Lippi and Del Bosque. I mean... To think that we, anybody on like just the average fan or anybody knows better than him is just kind of ridiculous if you really think about it. Check out the American Ninja Warrior podcast for a behind the scenes look at all the action of the show and more with your favorite competitors. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Spencer Hall. I'm Holly Anderson. I'm Ryan Nanny. I'm Jason Kirk, and we're the hosts of the Shutdown Fullcast, your Avengers of college football podcast. It says here in the script I'm to riff on what that means, and basically what I mean is it's all already spoiled. Every Tuesday, we talk about everything from cooking disasters to pro wrestling to unfashionable pants we wore in middle school. We also do talk about college football every now and then, like mascot fights, announcers fleeing the booth early, and unfashionable pants that coaches wear now. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it should be taken, subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. So I agree with all that. I want to I also just want to kind of provide a couple counters in, in the sense that I'm with you. I'm with you on all that. I think I think Zidane knows what he's talking about. One of the things that um I think generally we get wrong when criticizing managers. First of all, um there's a lot of I'd, I'd say a lot of people who criticize who just don't understand tactics or analyze the game as carefully as some other people and especially a coach like Zidane or any coach for that matter. Like you know, we've seen people go at you know, coaches like Mourinho and 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 Pac and and Klopp and even Pep and 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 some other high profile coaches. I think one of the things that they get criticized for generally that I think should not be off limits. I don't think anything's off limits. You should be able to criticize, but um, is the player selection in a sense that they're there in training, seeing things that none of us see. And I'm and I'm saying even media don't see because the media are only allowed at the end of practice to watch the rondos and that's it. They don't they don't see anything inside in in terms of tactics, who's working hard, who's not working hard, what's this person's attitude, what are they working on? They don't see nobody sees any of that except for the people internally and that's it. So um, that's why I'm always pretty. I try to be kind of wary about like player selection. Now, I think there are definitely times you can criticize um, where where a player clearly merits something and they don't get in the team. 
and you know we do it often too when we see, get frustrated with our low knees not getting playing time too but um but i think where the one thing i will say about this is that i think a lot of the criticism that he received has been fair some of it isn't some of it is but the one thing i, I don't really doesn't really sit well with me matt is this idea that like he's won this x amount of titles he's one of the greatest players of all time so he he always knows better that part um and the reason i say that is because we have a huge sample size in like every sport of great players not necessarily being good coaches whether it's um whether it's someone like di stefano or maradona to some of the stuff we hear pele say in public that make no sense as great as a player as he was and then the flip side is like some of these players who were never players or like or any noteworthy players like mourinho um or can be geniuses, you know, with with understanding the game. So, like, I think there is room for criticism um, if it's if it's analyzed properly. But yes, like to your overarching point, um, he the one thing that I think is very important to point out here. Sorry to make this so long winded. We all agreed collectively as a fan base. We all agreed that when Zidane came back last season that we were not going to judge him based on what happens the remainder of the season. So we can't say that and then complain that he didn't improve the team at the end of the season. Like that, there's a double standard that you just can't, it's either one or the other. So if we all agreed that um, we give him a pass for whatever mess he walked into for the remainder of last season, then that means you're going into this season, he's basically, what, seven games in now? If I... if I'm correct in the schedule, I don't, I don't know. I think it's been seven games. That means we're seven games in. That means it's way too early to analyze every, anything. And to me, this Sevilla game could be followed up by a draw to Osasuna or a loss or maybe a win and then a loss to Atleti. So this is going to fluctuate so much this season. Um, and I still think while they're tied on points with at- Athletic and they sh- they're, you know, they're, they're pretty much top of the table, bar some goal difference... To me, they should have won those games against Levant, against Valladolid, and uh, who was the other? Villarreal. They should be they should be up a couple points on the top of the table. But you know, if they if they win the league at the end of the year, I don't care. That that's all I care about. So I just think that there's so much longer to go, and I think there's going to be so much fluctuation in kind of how we perceive the Sidan thing. That um, I don't know. I'm just I'm happy to give praise. I'm happy to give criticism. I just want to see how this unfolds. Yeah, and to to build off that, Ken, the point I guess I was trying to make is um, that I don't like. I was just shocked at how quick the sack calls are. <laughs> yeah. So I think that like of course we can rightly criticize it, and we do, and we and we did. Um, but I think that the fact that like like you said, this is still. The beginning of the season had the first those 11 games from last season had Zidane just come back in the summer I think he probably his leash probably would have been a lot longer than it is now Um, I think it's a lot of frustration built over from last season but I I, it's just funny because it feels like we as Real Madrid fans sometimes it's easy to forget we shuffled through three managers last season it 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 felt like problems we 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 felt after there was all this revisionist history that, oh, we should have just kept Lopetegui or, oh, we should have just finished the season with Solari. Like, it's so easy to say that after the fact when everyone's calling for their head 
during the moment. And it, it's the same thing here. I think you just got to have patience. You got to persist. You got to trust Zidane. I mean, it, he's back here. I think at this point, and we, I'm personally of the opinion that no matter what happens, we just give him the full season, no matter what. I, t- um, I do too. And, yeah. and you just got to roll with that. The other, uh, the other thing, like I'll say, is on the Churros Tacticas podcast on Friday. This was obviously after the PSG game, before the Sevilla game. There was a lot of discussion about, you know, because you know Mourinho publicly flirts with Real Madrid. Guti has done it now on Twitter. And then there was, you know, Marco was writing about how how would Raul look as the manager if he took over. I'm just like, stop it, stop. It doesn't like even if this team hits rock bottom, which I don't see it. I don't see it happening. Um, nobody walks into this team and I don't, gets it better than Zidane does this season with the, who's available. I still don't think like Diego listed off a couple that like okay it was kind of interesting to me in terms of like Allegri maybe. Uh, but I don't, I don't see any any scenario where someone better than Zidane comes. And the other thing is, like, there's a lot of investment from the club right now, both financially if they want to break that contract, but also like, you know, they they let Zidane dictate a lot of the, the pieces for the future already. And to kind of sack him now makes no sense because of the investment they made in him. And the other thing I would, I really want to say about Zidane is that I've I've gone back a, a few times just to revisit my old articles, what I wrote about him during the entire three-peat. And I noticed one trend was that he had every single, after like any big game, it was usually we were talking about how good his tactics were and how underrated he was as a tactician. Um, And he generally gets big games right. Like PSG was a rare exception. And that was the first one, first big game he's had since he got back. He hasn't had a big game apart from PSG since he's gotten back. That was the first one, and that one, he got it wrong, okay. Um, but then he got Sevilla right, and I think he deserves credit for that. Like, if he, if you're talking about big games, he generally gets it right. Um, there are always exceptions to the rule, but you can't argue with the, the track record he has in big games, which I think is is huge. And I think PSG was a, was a wake-up call that the team needed, um, just kind of a, a bring-you-back-to-life call. And we saw, I mean... We can go down the list again. Just so many good individual performances, along with the collective system that we talked about. But there were so many just brilliant individual performances. We already talked about Ramos, but one person that I thought probably was man of the match for me was Casemiro. I I thought Casemiro was was just a monster in this game. Um, That one play where he's kind of covering for Ramos in the center back position and Sevilla tries to break through on a counter and he just comes out flying through um and slide tackles i think it was maybe jesus navas or lucas ocampos and just uh that was just a it was just sent a message and it was just it was awesome and i thought casemiro was just everywhere he he looked good too under pressure on the ball and i think he's improved on that against psg you made the point kian he looked good um on the ball as well and i think he last two games he's dealt well with the pressure which is which is encouraging I'd say about three games now. The third, the third one back was against uh, Levante, who didn't pressure him at all. But PSG pressured him, and he did well. This game, he did well. Uh, I don't know if it's the same sequence that I had, but there's this. Maybe it's the same one that you were talking about. But in the second half, there's space behind Mendy rarely, uh, but there was in that moment, and Casemiro just comes across like no yeah, nonsense yeah. and just completely clatters him. Yeah. And it's not, it's not, it's a, it's a clean challenge. And then it goes out of bounds. And then like 
he had those moments throughout this game. He had a couple passes like that were just not good, and then like he had a, a giveaway in the 60th minute, which was nearly deadly for the team that almost cost a goal. But um, overall, way more good than bad. He also had remember that chance at the very end um, from Hazard, where Bale makes this really nice like kind of chip pass with a, with a volley, just a volley chip pass over the top, and Hazard gets through on goal. And by that time, he's just he's just so so gassed he can't do anything. It was in the 89th minute. Um, that was won by Casemiro, just coming up, nice intervention, winning the ball. Um, I thought I thought he looked really good too. Um, man, there's a lot of individual performances here that I think are interesting to to kind of focus on. Um, m- maybe we start with Mendy. We've talked yeah, well, about Casemiro. We talked about Casem. Well, Hazard, Mendy to me is an interesting one. Yeah, and Mendy, I mean, Mendy is proving to be kind of the go-to left back in what can be categorized as more difficult games just because he just locks down that flank. I don't I don't think there's a better, maybe Veron, but I don't think there's a better 1v1, just purely 1v1 defender in the team. I mean, I feel so comfortable anytime any tricky winger, Lucas Ocampos himself, would, would try to do... Um, scissors, cutbacks, everything to try and beat Mende. Just couldn't get the cross in. I mean, I just feel so comfortable with him back there, especially defending 1v1. I think today he looked much um, much more composed with the ball at his feet, looked a lot more confident with his passes. Against PSG, there were moments where his touch looked heavy and he was it was just a little shaky for me. But today he looked much better. And I just a really, really encouraging performance. He looks like we have a very, very solid signing there. I love him. I just, I love the way he defends. I think he forces Navas a few times in this game. He just, he was doing the thing where he, he starts dribbling down the wing and he looks at the wing back and he tries to kind of like shimmy this way and that way and try to beat some off the dribble and or get across. And so many times Navas was just, he's like, I can't do this. Like I can't physically get past him. So he just, he just recycled position when, you know, He's forced to go backwards. Um, and to have that after years of Navas just roasting Marcelo and exploiting that space is just, it's a blessing. <laughs> well, one of the biggest notes when I was going back and going over my notes from last season's 3-0 loss at the Pijuan was essentially Ramos. I mean, sorry, Marcelo. Um, just in no position ever to, to defend. And... And even when he did, he was he was getting roasted consistently. And Ramos played that game too. And Ramos, that half space, half space between Ramos and Marcelo was just a nightmare that night. So Mendy, Mendy just it gives you a bit of confidence, as you said, defensively. Um, also had some nice crossfield switches. Like there were instances where him and James both moving the ball flank to flank, which kind of moves Sevilla around and out of their comfort zone. I thought he was good with the ball too. Um, James. Yeah, he we, was good defensively. Thought, as we mentioned, even after a couple of bad passes, recovered really well. But some of his passes and vertical passes were just fantastic in this game. Yeah, and for and for me, what we talked about earlier, just his ability to win the ball high up the pitch, little toe pokes, getting tackles, and I mean, that was that was huge for the team. And he's. It's been talked about a lot, but it's just I've been so impressed with his attitude and just his work rate. And yeah, he can 
against PSG, you kind of ran around and with no real direction or purpose. But tonight, um, that wasn't the case. Or last night, he just he really. I mean, he he put a shift in, and um, I've been just so impressed with his attitude, with his work rate, everything he's doing out there. I mean, he's he's come he's come back, and he's really doing everything he can to try and make it difficult for Zidane when everyone's fit and healthy. I think it'll be interesting to see what his role is once that does happen. But as of right now, I think he deserves to definitely continue to start no matter who's healthy. Um, I would also say, like, we can kind of just on that note, because two, two players that stood out for me, one of them, James, another one was, well, basically anyone from the back line stood out. Like I mentioned Varan Carvajal, Ramos, Mendy, uh, those guys, some of their interventions or step-ups defensively just to come up and just intercept passes were great. Um, Carvajal, kind of a trend within this season. He does a few good things. He does a few bad things. His passing hasn't, you know, he still had some of those weird passes that were way off the mark that killed the attacks like he did against PSG. Nothing as bad as the PSG game, but he did have a few passes like that where he could have just played a square or simple pass and he just overhit it or... Um, or just, or just played the wrong pass or misplaced it. Um, his, we talked about that chance and, and some of his interventions, but like on that goal, which I think deserves its own analysis on its own, Varane wins the ball and then gets it out wide to Bale. I don't know if, was it, I tried to look at it a couple times this morning. I couldn't really tell. I don't remember. Was it Regulon that Carvajal made that run behind? Uh, I'm not sure. I'd go back and look now. So anyway, so Carvajal makes that run, and the cross is perfect, and the header is perfect, and that what did wasn't it last week, Matt, where we were talking about Benzema's heading statistics, yeah. like how many he scored? Yeah. Just an, add another one to the tally. It's just uh, ridiculous well, apparently he has the most headed goals in uh, 2019 for any any striker out there, and he just like you say, he just continues to add that to him, and um. I think we it would only, I, I agree with you. Carvajal deserves because he's been he's just been getting a lot of criticism and some of it right, some of it is fair. Um, but today I thought he had a much better game. This this assist will give him a lot of confidence, hopefully moving forward, especially after that one v one miss. And I mean, believe it or not, Carvajal is the joint top assist leader in all of La Liga. He's the top assist leader for Real Madrid. He's now got three four? on the season. Oh, three. three. Yeah. yeah. So um, he started the season well and he's providing assists. And um, and then, of course, Kareem Benzema, just he's becoming our man. He's becoming the guy we can rely upon to, to score the goals. And uh, you got to have that in a, in a potential title-winning team. And so um, the key for Benzema is to prove that he can do this all season long and in the big games. So... Uh, Sevilla away is a big game, and so that I'm I'm happy that he was able to get that goal. One of the things I think I've been happily wrong about has been Benzema over the past couple of years. Because I, anytime someone asked me in a mailbag or like even on Reddit, I was asked recently was um kind of who do you go with with Benzema between Benzema and Jovic? And I last year I thought like with Ronaldo leaving, I thought the team really would have. Would work well if they if they put Asensio as a false nine instead of Benzema just to get some more control and 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 at that time Asensio was kind of playing at a higher level and Benzema wasn't scoring and then he had a, had a good scoring year last year but he wasn't scoring in big games and then this year um, I kind of look at the 
looked at the team's issues and you're like, okay, there's a lot of creators. There's a lot of, you look at that uh, Valladolid game, you had a lot of creators and then you put Benzema there instead of Jovic and you didn't have a finisher. The biggest hole in this team and offensively is finishing, not chance creation necessarily. So I would argue Jovic over Benzema in all those points. And now maybe Benz, maybe Jovic would have scored two or three goals um, had he played more. Uh, but at the same time, Benzema is playing at such a level right now that you really can't drop him. And this is one of those things that, like, when we talk about criticizing Zidane for player selection, this, I mean, this is a prime example of, like, his faith in Benzema. Um, Benzema looks fantastic right now. Uh, even against PSG, he did have, he didn't score, but he did have a couple chances, which I think, like, the degree of difficulty wasn't easy. And one of them was a header, which, like, you can't really criticize his heading at this point. But I do wonder, Matt, you're looking at the upske- upcoming schedule, which is, pretty crazy mostly and i and i'm just going back to your article last season about how he doesn't rest enough some point here and i'm looking at that osasuna game on wednesday before the athletic game that one makes sense right if for for jovic to come in yeah and that's that's immediately what i was thinking about after the game is okay these guys look exhausted how many of them are really realistically going to be up to playing against Osasuna and then against Atletico, I re- I think we're pr- probably I'll be surprised if we don't see some rotations against um, Osasuna midweek. So it, it will be interesting to see. Maybe we will get uh, Luka Jovic in for Benzema for some rest. Um, but while we're going through some individual performances, two other guys I want to quickly mention. One, uh, Gareth Bale. I mean. Just like Eden Hazard, he put in the hard yards and really worked both ways defensively. And um, I was, I thought at some point uh, Zidane was going to put Lucas Vasquez in earlier for Bale um, to give him some rest, but Bale was just playing too well, and he was continuing to track back, continuing to um, stick to his job. And I think he his first half was good. He was involved. He was dribbling at Regulon. He was dribbling at the back line. I thought the second half. We struggled to get him the ball um, offensively. He was kind of quiet, but he never lost sight of his defensive duties. And there was times where Regulon would be making a bursting run forward, and uh, he would stay right there with him, just tracking him all the way through. And that's something we did not have versus PSG. And then the other the other quick shout-out um, I want to give is to Cruz. I thought, and I know a lot of people didn't think Cruz had a great game, but I thought Cruz was great because because – what he didn't do against PSG and what he hasn't done for so many so many games over the last year and a half is track his runner. And tonight he did. He tracked his runner. I was paying attention to it. He finally tracked his runner. It's those little in the box exchanges, one twos that Sevilla or the opposition do right outside our box. Cruz always just lets his runner go, and then they're through on goal. Tonight or last night, he finally tracked his runner and that was huge and he was working back defensively you saw that he had that one misplaced pass and he just he sprinted he didn't do his light jog he sprinted to try and recover that ball so um i think that was important to note about cruz's game so that stuff stuff like that i think is what the coach has to analyze and address which i which when we go back to those intensity quotes that has to be that something zidane probably just took cruz aside and was like look like when I say intensity, like look look at the film from that game and some of the other film. We need you to to, to track. Otherwise, we're screwed if you don't. Um, you're right. He did a um, couple of weird passes that were off the mark, but and one of them was a giveaway where he just passes it backwards. But um, the the 
the quote-unquote intensity was better. Uh, I will say this about Sevilla. We didn't really talk about regular. I don't think he was uh, that good in this game, but maybe we'll save him for the loan tracker Tuesday because we have to answer some questions and we have about 10 minutes. Um, Sevilla, for the results that they've been getting, have been interesting in the sense that they've been more pragmatic under Lopetegui, like much more less gung-ho than they were under Machin where they torched us in terms of their pressing and also the, the I guess, the, they keep a higher line. They kind of like to send Regulon and Navas forward and have their wing, and have their center backs cover. But they also have been overperforming the, their expected goals against and, and also their expected goals. So I think there was, at some point, they will normalize into like a top four to six team is my guess. Um, and... Four to six is probably like Valencia, uh, Valencia, Sevilla. Maybe you throw in Sociedad or Athletic in there, but I think they will normalize from the top of the table into something into that sense. And I think I just think they were overperforming some of their metrics, and it it was eventually going to stabilize. Um, interesting. Like, and this is I think a testament to kind of the way the Real Madrid defended, and Sevilla didn't create anything. XG is point three eight by the way for Sevilla. Luke de Young. The target man, you look at his heat map, he just wasn't in the box at all. And so like I think I just think they were so good at keeping so many of their players out of the out of the danger zones. Um Okay, questions. Patreon.com slash managing Madrid. If you want to get guaranteed responses to your questions, if you want to get access to our loan tracker on Tuesday. Also, I believe the Wednesday uh, post-game show against Osasuna will be for patrons only, and that'll be live from the Bernabeu with myself and another journalist. So if you want access to those and some other stuff, please go to patreon.com slash managingmadrid. Go pledge, get rewards, get access to bonus shows, and support the show. Um, first patron question is from Ian Marley. And by the way, we, we had a few questions coming after the PSG game after we finished recording and before this game. And a lot of you patrons have just resubmitted questions for this one. So I think what we're going to do and what we're going to propose to you guys, we'll take the Sevilla questions because the PSG questions are really outdated at this point. And uh, if you want to, if you have any questions, we'll just, just resubmit them and we'll take them. And we promise we'll be on a, on a more strict schedule this week and moving forward. And we'll, we'll, we'll even probably do a mailbag just for questions later in the week. So just... Just resubmit questions if you if you want after the PSG game, and thank you for those of you who already did. So Ian Marley, our patron, says, great shift from the team, particularly Hazard. We were a bit lacking in offense, but we kept Sevilla locked down for some durations. This is a good base to build from, for our team, Hala Madrid. And then Rafael Servia says, I'm so impressed with Hazard's defensive work in today's game. He got back, worked hard. It's the opposite of his time at Chelsea, and seeing this is a great sign for the spirit of the team. Mendy's looking like he's going to throw into a he's going to grow into a very solid left back. I'm not sure anyone will ever replace Marcelo, but I said the same about Roberto Carlos. I'm hoping for a bright long future for him as a Maridisa. Also, did I see some semblance of tactics today from uh from Zidane? I almost couldn't believe it. I was terrified that after the break we'd come back and play like crap. Fortunately I was proven wrong. All in all, good game from the start. Let's hope they keep it up. Question from Sad Omar now. This is, I think, an interesting one that we take. Sad Omar says, given how Mendy and James are performing, do you think they should be selected above their starting counterparts when they return? I'm thinking James over Modric or Cruz, depending on who has worse form, and Mendy above Marcelo, who is clearly a much worse defensive liability. 
Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a game by game decision, and maybe you look at the personnel of the opposition and see, all right, maybe this is a game where we need Marcelo to be, uh, we need his kind of creative genius to unlock a, a stalwart defense. But overall, I think if we're talking big games and the big performances, I think yes, I think Mendy definitely has got to play. I just feel a lot more comfortable with him back there, and um, I think. As for James, I think he's proved, I said it earlier, I think his attitude, his fitness levels, the way he's performing, what he provides in terms of goals and assists and just end production, I think he also deserves to start as of right now. Um, and who it would be for, I mean, Modric is, isn't getting any younger. And so um, I think he'll, he'll need to, his minutes need to be kind of used sparingly, almost like Iniesta's last season. I think they used him perfectly that year, and I think Modric should be used kind of in the same way. Um, and so James can come in for either Modric or Cruz, but I think we want to be less reliant on Modric this year. Well, I, I agree with the case-to-case basis thing because Zidane is never shy to rotate. So I think when you see, you know, you eventually see Isco come back and, and, uh, and Modric come back and James get some rest and... Cruz gets some rest. And the other, the other one I would look at for the the Osasuna game is Valverde maybe to get a start. And especially if you need... if I don't think Isco and Modric are going to be match fit for the Atleti game. I don't think so anyway. There's no real updates on them. They've been training in isolation still as far as I know. So uh, I doubt they get thrown into that fire. But So if that's the plan, then you probably will see Valverde come in, I imagine. Uh, and... Uh, and maybe Jovic and, and some other pieces. So we'll see. But in terms of the big games, I think the answer is you kind of assess it before the big game in terms of who's who's better fit and who's uh, who's uh, who's healthy, but also who's clicking at the time, who's in form, who, who makes sense at the time. So I think I agree with the case-to-case basis at this point. Uh, Brendan Power says, good win, but not enough good shots. I believe we're missing that dagger ball in the final third. Stagnant play, James made one with the ball to Carvajal. But other than that, I feel that there isn't much. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, we kind of discussed that the nature of this game was low XG for both sides, but Madrid was just more clinical, better chances, and better defensively. But Yeah. yeah. Um, Leon Stavronakis says, And there you go. Finally, it's not magic. Playing James, Eden, and Gareth deeper as part of a more compact defensive block stabilized things nicely. And to state the obvious gave us more bodies to defend with. Having the captain back was huge too. Even with the more defensive approach, we still had the better chances because amazing on-the-ball talents like Hazard, James, Bale, and Benzema don't need constant possession to make magic plays. Clean sheet. Any, anything to add? That was, that was the last, last question. Yeah, I guess the only thing we haven't really talked about is uh, the clean sheet. <laughs> it's the, our first clean sheet at the Sanchez Pichuan for over 17 years. That's just ridiculous. And um, I think it'll be huge for Thibaut Courtois and his confidence. And um, I mean, one thing that, yeah, he didn't face any shots on targets, but that's a testament to him because he's going to be barking orders, going to be organizing the defense, going to be communicating. I mean, that's probably arguably the biggest job of a goalkeeper. And so um, that that shouldn't go kind of under under uh, the table. I think he had a great great game, and I think that clean sheet from all we talked about it, Kian, the whole back line was just incredible. Varane had nine clearances; he was immense. He had a crucial header right at the end of the game, um, and I just I think we, we can't underplay that clean sheet here, especially in a difficult stadium. All right, um, we're gonna do patron shoutouts and then wrap it up. So. Uh... 
just so you know, tomorrow Matt Wiltsey and I have a big Lone Tracker episode tomorrow. It's always big this season, really. Um, but we'll talk about Odegaard and Kubo and, and some other uh, Lonies and Oscar who played well. And uh, we'll, we'll review all that on the Lone Tracker segment every Tuesday morning. So tomorrow, if you want access to that and you don't already, patreon.com slash managingmadrid. The Osasuna postgame show will also be for patrons only. And I uh, just want to give shout out to our patrons who pledge $10 or more. Mikhail Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Juan Balasia 01, Adam Dorsey, Frederick Rantakiro, Pascal Said, Leon Stavernakis, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Essa Hariri, Ilian Zako, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Tyler Simon, Sad Omar, Olawapamimo, Oladunjoy, Patrick Odayafadi, Christian Toff, Dan Berthy, Charles Williams, Tarek Sphere, Kunal Tilakar, Marin Myrtle, Tyler Dixon, Raul Gutierrez, Ragab Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujai Wani, Peña Maridisa, San Francisco Bay Area, Brennan Stevens, Casper Moscala, Catherine Fagundo, Zoran Bosnich, Crystal Glass, Rafael Serbia, Karen Scherer, Somanchu Singh, Brennan Powers, Ahmed Al Mayahi, Rovi Tariev, Amy L, Anthony Armesto, Shabazz Sharapov, Fabian Moreno, Varun, Joey Quinn, new one, Joey, welcome, Bernard Kufour, Ashik Bashar, AMB6901, Daniel Pinkney, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, Solomon Ortiz, and Philip Hammer. Thank you so much uh, for your pledges and your donations. And Matt Wiltsey, thank you for joining me. And until tomorrow, Hala Marid. Hala Marid.